0: Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. Today's lesson is entitled, A Visit to an Ashram in India. Please welcome, Reverend George Wolfe.
1: Hello and welcome to Converging Streams. Today I would like to tell you about a very sacred place that I visited during my last trip to India. This is a place in southern India called Shantavanam. Shantavanam is a Sanskrit word which means peaceful place or peaceful forest. But Shantavanam is very special in that it is, it is a Benedictine Indian Rite Monastery. Benedictine in the sense that it follows the Benedictine rule in the Roman Catholic Church, Indian Rite in the sense that it takes aspects of Indian philosophy and Hinduism and uses it to gain deeper insight into the Christian teachings. I went there with three students from Ball State University that I had taken to India on a field trip, and we arrived at about uh, 1030 In the morning, after quite a long journey, once we arrived, we were uh, asked if we wanted to take part in the 11 o'clock chapel prayer service. And the experience was very rich and beautiful. The service started with a reading from the Muslim Quran, followed by a reading from the Upanishads, which are from the Hindu tradition, that was followed by a reading from the Psalms, from the Jewish tradition. Then a reading from the Christian Gospels, which was followed by the Lord's Prayer in the Christian tradition. A fairly lengthy period of silence for meditation. And the chapel service closed with what's called an arti. An arti, in the Hindu tradition is the burning of camphor. And once the camphor is lit, then it is circled before a sacred symbol so that the light illumines that sacred symbol very briefly and you get a glimpse of the divine which that sacred symbol represents. And in this case, since it was Benedictine monastery, that sacred symbol which was being illumined by the camphor during the arte was the Christian cross, the symbol of sacrifice. Shantivanam is uh, unique in that it was uh, a place where first occurred what was called the Hindu Christian meeting point. The very influential um, monk that lived there, whose name was Swami Abhishek Tananda. Now, he adopted that Indian name because he considered himself a Christian sannyasi, sannyasi being an Indian term for a renunciate, someone who follows the monastic life. Abhishek Tananda's original name was Henri LeSot, and he came to India in 1948 convinced that a spiritual meeting between Christianity and the great Eastern religions would inevitably come in the near future and that it would be of immense significance both for the Christian church and the world. He therefore set out boldly to explore the heart of Hindu spirituality, first as a lonely pioneer, and later with a growing number of friends whose Christian commitment led them to share his concern. Thus, the experience at Shantavanam is truly an interfaith one. Abhishek Dananda passed away in 1973. But another very important thinker is now at Shantivanam. His name is Brother John Martin. We were very fortunate to meet Brother John Martin virtually as soon as we arrived. We walked up the path, and we saw this man walking who radiated a holiness and a joy and and a peace which we immediately picked up on. We are very blessed to have had the opportunity to, to meet him and enjoy his darshan. Darshan being an Indian term for being in one's sacred presence. I'm going to read now a section from a booklet by Brother John Martin on the Beatitudes. And this particular section is entitled, Blessed Are the Poor Materially. This particular section from his booklet is particularly meaningful if you've been to India, for you know there is a great deal of poverty. And I I can't help, when I read this passage, have all these images come to me as I move through the cities and towns in India, and I see, of course, the wealthy, but also the homeless and the poor that are nevertheless still on a very spiritual journey, and are very spiritual people. And in this booklet, Brother John Martin writes, Those who are materially poor are more blessed and able to find the kingdom of God than those who are materially rich. The materially poor are those who have only food for today. They do not know what will happen tomorrow. Their work brings them money which can provide food only for today. Death is a daily reality for them. They have no future and cannot imagine one. They can ask only for their daily bread. Since death is a daily reality for them, and death is the ultimate and inevitable destiny of our human existence, they are much closer to asking such fundamental questions, like what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of death? And how can I face death? Once they have found the meaning of life and death, then daily life and struggles will have a deeper meaning. However, this material poverty also can make a person angry, compare himself with the rich and blame the rich as responsible for his poverty and take up violent struggles against them. But material riches, cannot protect one from death. Death has to be faced by everyone individually. Since the poor face death each moment of their life, it is easy for them to find eternal life, the kingdom of God, which alone gives meaning and fulfillment for their lives. The life in the kingdom is not a quantity of years, but quality because each moment of one's life is eternal life. Even one second of one's life is eternal life. We may live physically 30, 40, 50, and 100 years, but in the sight of God we have not lived even one second. To find the kingdom of God is to find the meaning and purpose of one's existence and to find the meaning of death. Only those who face death know what it means, and only then can they find the meaning of life. Those who are materially rich have their tomorrow guaranteed. They do not face death each moment of their life. Death is something which happens somewhere in the future, but their material wealth cannot protect them from the inevitability of death. Jesus exhorted his listeners not to trust so much in their riches. Once a man in a crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the property our father left us. Jesus answered him, My friend, who gave me the right to judge or to divide the property between you two? And he went on to say to them, Watch out and guard yourselves from every type of greed because a person's true life is not made up of things he owns, no matter how rich he may be. Then Jesus told them this parable. There was once a rich man who had land which bore good crops. He began to think to himself, I haven't anywhere to keep all my crops. What can I do? This is what I will do, he told himself. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones where I can store my corn and all my other goods. Then I will say to myself, Lucky man, you have all the good things you need for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, You fool, this very night you will have to give up your life. Then who will get all those things you have kept for yourself? Jesus concluded, This is how it is with those who pile up riches for themselves but are not rich in God's sight. The rich in the sight of God are those who can be materially rich but they do not place their trust in those riches. Material wealth is necessary for human existence and there is no danger in accumulating it. One needs to work for it and acquire it But if one trusts in material wealth and identifies oneself with it, then this person is not rich in the sight of God. Jesus exhorts his disciples to seek for the eternal riches, which can never decrease, because no thief can get to them and no moth can destroy them. We have another interesting story of a rich young man who had the desire for eternal life. He observed all the commandments sincerely, but when Jesus told him, there is still one more thing you need to do, sell all you have and give the money to the poor and you will have riches in heaven, then come and follow me. The young man became very sad because he was very rich. The rich man identified himself with his riches. He had security in his riches. Without his riches, he had no existence. However, his riches are accidental. They are not an essential part of his being. He cannot take them along with him. At his death, he has to leave everything, whether he wants to or not. His security was his death. He cannot follow the way of life. He was sad. He had a very heavy burden of artificial riches. With these riches he could not enter into the kingdom because the door to the kingdom is narrow. Not narrow in the sense of space, but in the sense that only the essential part of our being goes through it. All acquired things have to be left out. Eternal Riches The kingdom of God is the essential nature of all human beings made in the image and likeness of God. This treasure can neither increase nor decrease. No thief can get there and no moth can cause destruction. For those who are poor in acquired material riches, it is easy to find their essential riches, the kingdom of God. And those are the words of Brother John Martin, a Christian sannyasi living at Shantivanam, the Benedictine Indian Rite Ashram in southern India. This is George Wolfe for Converging Streams.
0: for listening to converging streams interfaith fellowship in our modern world our program is a production of the muncie interfaith fellowship with content and financial support from the unitarian universalist church of muncie and technical support from radio stations wcrd and work fm most importantly we thank you our listeners and followers for your support To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolfe, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening and have a pleasant week.